And life is about answering the tough questions. And sometimes we just don't know the answers to these tough questions, but we get asked them. And the older we get, the less we try to wiggle our way out of these and we just answer what we believe to be true and we move on. Um, Sometimes younger people think that they know it all and they can answer all these questions when really they don't know um, some of these questions. I looked up life's toughest, 25 toughest questions that you could be asked. Um, I remember when I got here as a pastor for the first week I was here and one of the ladies in the church had a had a, had a stroke and um, actually f- fainted and, and was brain dead. And um, my first week here as a pastor, and I went to the hospital and the doctor approached me and he said, well, you're the pastor. I think you need to tell the family to pull the plug. <laughs> Welcome to Widefield. I didn't even get a week in my office. And I said, I'm, I'm a new pastor. I really don't know the family well enough to make, you know, to even give a suggestion on that. Um, but um, I'm here to do whatever you need. But you need to talk to them and let them know that, yeah, she's not going to make it. We, you need, they need to pull the plug. Um, that was a tough question. That was a tough, tough thing that asked me to do. And um, I just... By God's grace, I didn't have to make any decision there. The family decided to make the decision, and she did go and be with the Lord um, soon after that. Um, there's, there's some tough questions that kids try to work themselves through. Here, here's some interesting things here. Can love really last a lifetime? How many would say yes to that one? Amen. Right? Love can last a lifetime, but some people wonder. I mean, you're young. You have friends. You have you know, people you know, and they abandon you, and they leave you, and you wonder, can love ever be uh, last forever? Um, here's, here's a couple other ones. Some of them are, are comical. Uh, why does the line you always get in move the slowest? <laughs> you ever, ever think about that question? Why does the line you always move in to get the slowest, right? So we're getting these, um, these cards for the church, these gift cards, and I, I walked... And the guy goes, which one do you want? Do you want this line? I said, I'll go to you. Holy cow, I picked the wrong line. He was the, I mean, every single gift card. And he couldn't get it. Oh, I'm sorry, this ain't working. And I can't get this. There's 40 of them. I'm sitting there, boy. I mean, unbelievable. I'm watching the Giants game. I've got the Yankee game in. I got... You know what I mean? Listen, I mean, I got, you know, I mean, the, I mean, the guy's like, oh, I'm so, and then he's getting nervous, you know. Don't be nervous. We've only been here three hours. Keep going, you know what I mean? Nothing to be nervous about. Why is the line that you're in always the slowest? I don't have a, where do traffic jams come from? Los Angeles, amen. Right, right. But you ever wonder what the first guy's doing in the traffic jams? I mean, he's moving, right? Why isn't everyone else moving? I don't understand this, um... Uh, uh, how about how about this one? My kids always ask me this one, Johnny especially. Can a man and a woman just be friends? What do you think? He gets nervous about that. I'm like, Johnny, not everyone you take to have a coffee has to be your wife. <laughs> it's not like coffee, let's marry. 
You know, there's, there's something in between that. You can be a friend with people. Don't, don't put that pressure on you that every single one that you, you talk to has to be your wife. Here is one that I want an answer to. You guys are not leaving until you give me this answer. When do you need to take away your grandpa's keys? Yesterday. <laughs> Yesterday, so I said, uh, I mean, Chalmer, he's not here. He was here at first service, not here in the second. He is the only man I know that turned 90 and they bought him a car for his 90th birthday. They gave him keys. Right? Now the question is, is when do you take it away from Chalmer? Poor Chalmer, he's not here to defend himself. How about this one? Um, can money buy happiness? Well, according to Donald Trump, it can. He says, those people who say money can't buy happiness don't know where to shop. <laughs> that's a bad one. But anyway, that's what he, he says there. And, um, you know, and then here's, here's one. Why is it so hard to say you're wrong? Why is, it, why is it so hard to say you're wrong? Now, having said that, we're getting into a tough passage. All right. And you may come up to me and say, you know what, Pastor, you're wrong on this one. Um, maybe. I am not God. There's only one, and I am not him. But I do want to answer three tough questions when it comes to deacons. We're going to see the first question in verse 11 is, can women become deacons? We're going to look at this. Oh, that's a doozy. And then if I'm still alive after that, verse 12 we're going to look at uh, what is a deacon's home? Is he a leader in the home or is he a deadbeat dad? We're going to look at that in a moment. And then, Lord willing, when we get to verse 13, around 3 o'clock this afternoon, we're going to look at what are the benefits of being a deacon? Like, you know, come on, help me be a deacon. Tell me, what are the benefits of doing this? Should I really even want to be a deacon? But let's, let's look at this here in, in verse 11, and let's answer the tough questions about deacons. Let's get into our Bibles, and let's study the Scriptures, and really look at this of what God would want. The first question is, is can women be deacons? Can they serve as deacons? Well, if you come from a fundamental Baptist background, your answer right away is what? And oh. We ain't letting no women serve here, baby. We're fundamental Baptists. Where the deacons rule and the pastors drool. That's not God's plan. So let's throw out all our ecclesiastical backgrounds for a moment. And let's let the scriptures speak. And at the end of the day, we'll go out here and we'll say, these are what the scriptures say. Because different denominations come back with different things and they say, okay, my denomination says no. I don't want to hear what the denominations say. I want to hear what God says. Amen. And what God says needs to rule here. And boy, I wish Paul was clearer here. Holy cow. But let's look at this passage in verse 11. He starts off by saying the word woman. That's the first word in the Greek. It is plural. It is the same Greek word used for wife. In the very next verse, it's a, a husband of one wife. Same word, same Greek word. He uses this word eight, eight times, eight times in the pastoral epistles. Five in chapter two, and then later on three times here in chapter three. 
Actually, nine times, and one time later on in, in, in chapter 5. He uses this word here in, in chapter 2, verse 9, verse 10, verse 11, verse 12, and verse 14, to mean woman. He's talking about women now. In chapter 3, when he uses this word in verse 2 and in verse 12, he means wife. All right, Paul, is it women or is it wife? Interesting enough that some translations, and I want to get a raise of hands here, say, likewise, their wives. How many translations say that? Their wives. Here's the problem with that. The word there is not in there. It's italicized. It's italicized. It doesn't belong in a Greek. It's not a possessive Greek word. If it was, this would be so easy. We'd be done. It'd be their wives. We're done. Let's pray. Let's go home. It's over. Easy answer. No, but it's not in there. And so it's harder than that. The word can mean either way. Let me just say this. I have people who I love, admire, respect, who hold both positions. There's only two options here in verse 11. Some can say there's three, but there's really only two options. Either Paul is referring to women that are serving as deacons because he's talking right in the context of church offices or he's referring to the wives of the deacons. Some try to use a third option and say he's just speaking of women in general, but this is a terrible place to put that because it's right in between the offices of the church and the requirements for the offices. So why would he put just women in general when he already spoke of them in chapter 2? So I don't buy that view. The third view is out. But the first two view are very compelling. What, what is it? Is he, is he talking about wives? Or is he talking about women who are serving as deacons? Well, if he's talking about wives, here are the arguments against that. Notice in verse 11. It says women must likewise. And so it seems that Paul is talking now about a different group here. That word likewise is the same word he uses in verse 8, and that he, he, he's talking about a whole other group. That doesn't make sense that he would say now the wives likewise have to be like this, when now he's talking about a whole other group. Another thing here is interesting about verse 11, if it is wives, which is against it, is um, there's omissions here in the text. Right? And what's interesting is why is he going to talk about a deacon's wife and not talk about an elder's wife? Wouldn't that be fun? He, he, he admits talking about elder's wives, so people say this can't be wives, is because they say this. He doesn't talk about elder's wives, so Paul's not going to talk about deacon's wives. It doesn't make sense. Uh, and and other, other issues here that deal with it. Now let's just talk about whether or not it's women deacons. Well, there's arguments against this too. If these are women deacons, something very important is missing out of verse 11. Why doesn't it talk about women, their relationship to their husbands? Nowhere in there. But elders, it talks about their relationship to their wives. Deacon men, it talks about their relationship to their wives. Why doesn't Paul say anything about the women who are deaconesses, their relationship to their husbands? That doesn't make sense. Here's another argument, and this is more of an argument from silence. They say if deacons serve as assistant to the elders, there's no way they can be women. That's an argument from silence. That's not in the verse. 
Here's another argument from silence here. There is nothing that talks about the fidelity to the home and how they are serving in the home in verse 11. But I would argue there is. Faithful in all things. So those who believe that it is the wives, they have to explain why the word likewise is there grammatically. Why doesn't Paul just say their wives? Why does he just say women? It doesn't make much sense there. Why is he picking on deacons' wives and not elders' wives? So those who hold the wives have to face those arguments. Those that say women deacons have to say, well, why isn't it talking about that she needs to be faithful to her husband there? It doesn't make sense. Why would he put women deacons between both male deacons and then later on finish with male deacons? There's a lot of things that make no sense. So what's the answer? <laughs> you ready for this? Are you ready? Verse 12. Let's go on to the next verse. And <laughs> No, kidding around. Wait, what, what is the answer to this? I wish this was clearer. That's the answer. And, and let, me, let me just say this. Grammatically, we'd have to really fight hard to make this wives. Really fight hard. I don't see it, guys. I just don't see it. Now, we are not in a church with women deacons. If we were, this would be so easy. I could just preach this verse and say, praise God, this deaconess is in the church. And all the deaconesses would say, amen, hallelujah. Right? But we don't have them. I don't think there's sufficient evidence in here to say that the church needs to start having them. You know why? I think one of the compelling arguments is against verse 11 being deaconesses is because when Paul addresses the church, he only addresses two offices. He addresses elders and deacons. Why not three? And so, this is not a clear verse. How do you like that? All that study to say that we don't know how clear this is. It is not a clear verse. And grammatically, if we're going to follow the grammar here, Paul is introducing another group here in verse 11. This is what they need to be. But here's what I, I fear when people come to this verse. They fight over whether or not the church can have deaconesses or not. They fight over these are wives or not. And they miss the whole point. Every church needs women who are servants of God. Amen? And these women need to have certain qualities, as we're going to see here in a moment, to be able to serve God to their full capacity. And so in verse 11, when he introduces these women and he says, likewise here, he's, and he starts off just like he starts off with the male deacons, he's going to say here, these servants, whether or not you want to call them deaconesses or whether or not you want to call them the wives of the deacons, they are serving God. Here's what they need to be. They need to be dignified, verse 11. They need to be serious about their walk with God. That's the word there. They need to be worthy of respect. They, they need to have a heart that really wants to serve God. And they're, they're serious about their relationship with God. And how do you know that this woman is serious about her relationship with God? Look at this verse. These women must likewise be dignified. And here's three things that these women who are serving God must be. They must not be malicious 
gossips. Here's, here's what's interesting. The Greek word there is where we get our English word diabolic. They must not be devils. <laughs> you say, what is a devil? A devil is one who uses their tongue to slander others, to rip them apart, to say evil about others, to make others believe lies about people, to rip someone down, to hurt somebody with their tongue. That's what the devil does. The devil is the accuser. He accuses night and day. And here's what he says here. These women who are serving, they ought not to use their tongue to rip down because they're going to hear some sensitive stuff. They're going to be dealing with people in great need and people are going to open up their hearts. And the last thing we need is women spreading that all over the church. We had um, one woman years ago that would go behind back and, and um, study some other woman's Facebook page and kept a file of their Facebook page. Things that they posted. Watch what you post, by the way. But things that they posted, took that and used it against that person. We had another lady who seemed so nice. This was years, years ago, who seemed so nice. And people would open up their hearts to this lady. And, and when they would open up their hearts to this lady, the lady would use that sensitive information and rip the person apart through the church. I remember even saying to the last pastor's wife that we asked the church to write a letter asking for forgiveness to you after all that they did to you. And she had tears coming down her eyes. She still remembers the pain of the words of that devilish other woman. Diabolic. They say sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. That's not biblical. Words will hurt. Wait till we get that in respectable sins when we get the gossip. But right here, he says here, they're not malicious gossips. They're not spreading sensitive information about people and really hurting them and making people believe lies or their perceptions of people and bringing it up. Look at this next thing. This is amazing. These women who are serving God, they need to be temperate. This is, this is a wonderful word. This means that they need to hold their emotions down. They need to be emotionally stable. They need to not be emotional wrecks. I'm sorry, but sometimes we hear things that happen and we, we deal with things in the church and all of a sudden we become emotional wrecks and we be, we're, we're just all about emotions and we break down emotionally. No, he's saying here, they have their emotions under control. They're stable. They bottle those emotions up. Sometimes I laugh because in, in our family, me and Katie, I'm the emotional one. And I'll... I go to bed at night sometimes and I'm tossing and turning and the sheets are going everywhere and I'm, I'm, I'm thinking about things and I can't believe this happened and I'm, sometimes I'm crying and sometimes I'm laughing and sometimes this is going on and I'm an emotional wreck and I'm, I'm sitting there, I'm like, I just can't believe this and I'm thinking I can't, and I'm, I'm, my heart's beating. I go, Katie, I can't believe all that's going on, sweetie. It's just, this is, this, this is too emotional for me. I'm, I'm really struggling with this, honey. What do you think? And there she is next to me. <sighs> <laughs> Out like a light. <laughs> Doesn't even bother. Unbelievable. She holds them in. I don't know one time in 21 years being together, I had to say to her, get your emotions under control. Now, my daughters, that's another thing. <laughs> They're wrecks at times. 
Ellie, it's the first day of school. You don't have to have your third year paid for yet. Relax, sweetie. Relax. But daddy, my honey, my honey, my honey. Sweetie, relax. Don't let your heart dictate all these things. You speak to your heart. Relax. Abigail, oh boy, she's just like me. She is emotionally all over the place. It is wonderful to see. You know, I got my dog, looks just, she's just like me. But at times I'm looking at her like, wow, that's because of me that she's doing that. <laughs> this woman here has her emotions under control. She is level-headed. She thinks straight. She makes right decisions, not based on their emotions. She's not an emotional wreck. She's a balanced person. And notice this third thing. She's not only balanced, but she is faithful in all things. She is faithful to her husband. She is faithful to God. That's where it starts. She is faithful to her family. She is faithful to the church. She is faithful to the community. She serves God everywhere. She is faithful. You give her little things and you can trust that's going to happen. I, I loved it when, when Stephanie came to us and said, do you guys need us to buy all those things for the uh, Thanksgiving baskets? Yes, please, please. Praise God. She was out at the supermarket doing it one day, two days. I don't know how many days she went. She got them quite a bit, right, Brian? She went a lot, a lot of times. Praise God. Faithful in things. You don't have to worry about it. She Give her things, she'll do it. Praise the Lord. We have women like that in our church, and we are so blessed. I said in the first service, i got to be careful who I name, because I, 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 some people I don't name may get mad at me, and then they may come after me afterwards. But here's what I say about those people I don't name. Hold your emotions under control. Amen? <laughs> All, right. All right? Don't get emotionally mad at me. Jessica just has a baby. What does she do? Pop her computer up on the table. She's dealing with children's church ministries. Faithful. Faithful to God. You give her a task, she does it. We have people working behind the scenes doing things. This is what God wants. Here's why. Because service, a lot of people don't see the things that we're doing. And what God wants is not great people, not, not people with all these gifts. He wants people who are going to be trustworthy. And he says, these women, they got to be able to control their tongues. They're not out spreading things to rip people apart and divide churches and hurt churches with their tongues. These are, these are women that have their emotions under control. And these are women you can count on. I, I, I said in, in the first service, and I'll say it again. I'm married to one of those. I, I, I thank God for, for her. Uh, she doesn't want any of this attention. She doesn't ask me to. I'm not, my dinner's not going to be better for saying these things. <laughs> All right? I'm getting the same dinner. Her emotions are under control. <laughs> but the stuff that she does, and you guys know, behind the scenes, this church would not be where it is right now. Praise God. All right? And let me just tell you, she doesn't run this church. She fought, she, this is God's church. But this church would not be where it is right now if it wasn't for her. She is behind the scenes doing things that I just, I, I stand amazed at. And I praise God for her. We forget when we get caught up in this. Is this deaconesses? You don't need a title to serve God. You serve God with all your heart. 
But don't miss verse 11. When we serve God, we ought to serve God in a way that is worthy of respect. We ought to serve God in a way where we're not tearing down people with our tongues and ripping people apart and spreading lies and perceptions. When we serve God, we serve God with our emotions in check. And we serve God being faithful in the big things, the little things, whatever God gives us. All things, it says here. Trustworthy to God. So can they serve as deacons? Well, go to MacArthur's church, yes. Come here, they're not here. Maybe one day they will be. When Stephen's the new pastor, maybe they will be. I don't know. That one amen. <laughs> but we need to be careful with this verse, making it say what God hasn't told us it says. And there's arguments on both sides of it. And we need to be gracious to agree to disagree. My personal opinion, I'm personally uncomfortable calling a woman a deaconess. I've never been in a church where a woman is a deaconess. Well, saying that, like I said, if I would have came here and that was already going on, I don't know that I would make it stop. Does that sound like a coward? That's, that's where I'm at. I wish it was clearer. All right? Tomorrow we're not starting a new office. We're not going to have a deaconess uh, sign-up sheet out in the back. But here's what I say. Thank God for the women that do serve here. Yes. We wouldn't be here if it wasn't for them. And there's many more I can name. Many more. Let's look at the next question. Let's keep answering these tough questions. In verse 12 here, he's going to talk about the, his home life. Now, there's some great things we can pull out of this verse that we haven't seen in other verses as well. In verse 12, it says, is he a leader at home? In other words, is he a husband of one wife? Obviously, he's dedicated to his wife. But really what it's saying is there's no such, no such thing as a deacon who's a deadbeat dad and a deadbeat husband. That doesn't, that, doesn't, that doesn't go together. You can't, you can't say, I don't want to serve my wife. I, I don't care about my wife. I don't want nothing to do with my wife. But oh, how I love the church. No. It starts with the wife. It starts with serving the wife. It starts with meeting the wife's needs and understanding the wife and being attentive to who she is. Here's what's amazing. Praise God. They're all different, and we got to know each other in different ways. But it's being attentive in the home. I, I, I'll never forget um, what Chuck the Clean, Matt's relative, once said to me that his aunt, Diane, what, is he aunt, uncle? I don't know what they are, cousin, whatever. Somehow they're related. They're from the Midwest. They're all related. But anyway, they're... Uh, <laughs> Somehow they're related. Anyway, so Chuck the Queen's wife said to him something very, very, that never, it got me when I was a young, very young missionary. She said to Chuck, she said, Chuck, you're trying to live like a Paul when you're a Peter. Know what she's saying to him? Paul never got married. Paul was always out ministering. Peter was married. Peter needed to take care of his wife. You can't be a Paul when God has called you to be a Peter. In other words, you need to make sure that you take care of your first ministry before you go out and try to do something else. And what, what Chuck was doing, what all ministers, what our tendency is, oh, we love the church, we love to serve, we want to see people get saved, but our wives, our children, we neglect them. 
That's why there is the principle of presence. We need to be there with them. And the principle of partnership. Why did God even bring marriage in? So that we would be companions and do life together. Yes. It starts there. There's, and, and one guy said it this way. The church can always get another deacon, but the wife can't go out and get another husband. So being a deadbeat dad and a deacon in a church, they don't go together. In fact, if God has blessed them with children, he is a good manager of, of his children. He spends time with his children. He takes care of his children. He loves his children. He serves his children. One of the most beautiful pictures I got two weeks ago when I got that call with, that Adeline had, had her seizure, we were all scared, and we go to the hospital, me and Joshua, and as we walk in, you, you go to the ER, and he's got those closed doors or whatever they have, and then the curtains and everything, and so we go through the doors, we, we go through the curtains, and there's Cameron, sitting there with little Adeline on his chest. And she's got all her tubes on her and everything, and she's all fussy and moving her head back and everything, and here's a father holding his baby. That's a dad. That's a dad. Thank you, Lord, that we don't have a deacon who's a deadbeat dad. But when his kid needs help, there he is having it right on his chest, holding on to his baby. Brought back memories. When Johnny one time went to the hospital and, and, um, and he was only about nine months old and Back then, he was such a daddy's boy, he would cry for me, and he would be on my chest and, and sucking his thumb with the tubes all over. I remember those days. And God took him. What, what a wonderful example. It's saying here this. I, I, I was listening to somebody, um, Zach Britton, who's a great pitcher for the Yankees. Of course, you guys love him. And um, you know what he said? He said, you never know what you miss from your family until you're there walking with them. He was always out throwing pitches, throwing balls, and then he got hurt, and he had to be home with his family. And he says, I didn't realize I was missing all this with my kids. How great it is. Now, I want you to see something. You say, Jeremy, you've already talked about this. Come on, you're repeating yourself for crying out loud. You already talked about you got to be a good husband there in verse 4. But I want you to look at this. This is beautiful. Here's where the Bible gets so beautiful. Look at verse 4 of, of, of 1 Timothy 3 for a second here. And it talks about, in verse 4, that he must manage his household well, keeping his children under control. We talked about that with elders, right? Then now look at verse 12 again. It says this, Deacons must be husbands of one wife. Good managers of their children in their households. Now, watch this. This is beautiful. Look at verse 5. It says, A man does not know how to manage his household. How will he do what? Take care of God's church, right? After verse 12, do we see that verse in there? Where is it? It's not there. Why doesn't Paul say a deacon must take care of his home in order to take care of the church? Here's why. Deacons are not responsible for the spiritual welfare of the church. Elders are. Wow. Which means elders will stand before God not only for their spiritual life, but also give an account for the spiritual lives of the people in the church. That's a tough task. Boy, I want to be a deacon now. <laughs> 
Because it doesn't say that deacons have to do that. Do you know why? Because deacons in the Bible really don't have authority over people. Deacons have authority over things. There's a difference. And nowhere you can study the scriptures out does it say be submissive to your deacons. But it does say be submissive to your elders. There's a difference. And so that omission is very important after verse 12. But what he is saying in verse 12, and I don't want you to miss it, if this guy is not a servant in the home, don't make him a servant in the church. Because it starts in the home. If he's not taking care of his wife in the home, be careful about asking him to take care of people here in the church. Their physical needs. Now, let's get to the last one. And this is important. Somebody says, what are the benefits of even being a deacon? Come on, Jeremy. I mean, I got to do all these things. I got to serve God. I got to do. Why would I even want the position? I don't need the position. I could just serve God without. Why would I even want to get to that? I want you to look at verse 13. This is beautiful. Here it is. He's saying, for those who have served well. Now, now don't miss this. Because the tense there in the Greek means that there's a time period. There's a, there's a term of how long they serve. Now, Stephen was asking me, how, how long are the elders? Is it one year term? Is it How many year term is it? And, and you want to know what it says in the Bible? How long of a term it is? You ready for this? We don't know. Praise God. So, so um, at Liberty Bible, which is a much more spiritual church than we are, they have uh, how many years of a term? Three years, is it? Three renewable to six. You know where that is in the Bible? Nowhere. Nowhere. So they're not as biblical as we think. But I'm kidding. <laughs> They'd be great to have terms. We don't. We probably should. And we need to look at that as, as a leadership. Here's what we do know. It's long enough so we know that they served well. How many years that is? I don't know if that's one, two, three, whatever it is. But it's long enough to know they served well. Right? What is the benefit? There's two of them there in verse 13. They've served well. Kalas is the word there. They served well, beautiful. They benefited the church. In other words, don't miss this. There are deacons that can break a church. Oh, believe me. They can either make one or they can break one. And there are deacons who can serve well, well. Kalas, they're a benefit to the church. Here are the two benefits. Here's the two rewards that they get in verse 13. They obtain for themselves a high standing. Now, now don't miss this. Literally in the Greek is they move a step up. Now, now, now be careful. All right? We're, we're not Catholic. Okay? So that doesn't mean that they go from being an altar boy to a deacon to a bishop to the pope. And all of a sudden they move up all the way up. That's not what it's saying here. Okay? It's they're not moving up the ladder of the church. By the way, there is no ladder in the church. There's one king. His name is Jesus. And the rest of us are all servants. All of us. So you don't go from being a deacon. You're a good deacon. Now you get to be an elder. Now you get to be the super deacon of the month. Now you get a parking spot out in front. That's not what he's saying. He's saying this. As you serve God's church well, and as you do this, as we're going to see for a moment, for God, 
You're going to gain a standing among the people. You're going to gain a respect among not only the church people, but also the community that you don't have right now. Wow. They're going to respect you more and say, wow, he is serving the Lord. There, there's going to be a reverence for you that wasn't there. You say, wow, what? He, he is serving the Lord. This is amazing. He cares about God's church. He's taking care of God. I don't care if it's freezing out, whatever. He is serving the Lord. There is a respect that he gets. And guess what happens? More respect. Guess what you get? More responsibility. Amen? Isn't that wonderful? You do good in a little. Guess what we're going to give you? We're going to give you more. Isn't that great? Not one amen. But it's more, more respect, more responsibility, more reward. Watch this. This is beautiful. Verse 13. It doesn't say this about elders. Elders won't get this. But this is what deacons will get. This is an amazing thing. They'll move a step up. They'll move a step. They'll get that respect from the people and respect from the community. And because they have that, verse 13, they have a great confidence, what? In the faith. Don't miss this. This is a beautiful reward. They have boldness in the faith. They have, a more, they have more confidence towards God. Why? Because they look at their lives and they say, wow, God would use me with all my imperfections and all this to make an impact on this church. That's an amazing thing. They have more confidence towards God. You know what else they have? They have more confidence towards people. Why? Because they're serving God with integrity. And because they're serving God with integrity, they can approach other people and tell those other people to serve God too. And to live for God. And to love God. But here's what's it's beautiful. They have this great confidence in the faith that is in who? Christ Jesus. It's not in themselves. It's in the Lord. It's realizing that our God is not looking for perfect people to serve him. Or some people look at this and say, I could never be a deacon. And they sell themselves short. What God is looking at is for a heart to say, Lord, here I am. I am willing to serve your church. Use me. Yes. And it is amazing what God can do with those kinds of people. And they will have a confidence before God. Not in themselves, but a confidence that God can use them for his glory. See, we don't want people looking at us and saying what great servants we are. We want people looking at God. And as we serve God, we allow them to see what a great God, with all our imperfections, with all the things in our lives, to say, wow, what a great God I serve. How can he even, wow, what amazing thing. And there's the respect of the people. That's all by God's grace. And there's respect in the community. And now I can go boldly before the community because I'm not worried about them finding skeletons in the closet. I'm living the same thing I am in the church and outside the community, everywhere I am. There's this confidence that they have in the faith. And that comes because they're in Christ Jesus. It's a beautiful verse. <laughs> One of our first deacons I told you about a couple of weeks ago who ended up being an apostate. That was the bad one. There was a good one. One that I'll, I'll, I'll never forget he asked me, Jeremy, how is this going to change my life? And I said, nah, don't worry. You, you, you can keep doing the same things you do. I didn't know all it entailed. I kind of just gave him like a, hey, just, just be a deacon. Don't worry. 13 years later, he's still a deacon. 
He wants to kill me. <laughs> but here's what's amazing about this guy. This guy has no theological education at all. None. What he has learned, he's learned in the church. He is a simple guy who loves the Lord and loves God's church. And God is using him greatly. And let me tell you, he has the respect of me and respect of the people. Because he's just a simple guy. That's what God wants. Don't miss that. But it has to be with character. So what if you're great with your toolbox? So what if you're great on your taxes? And you know how to use numbers and everything like that. You can handle numbers. It's a heart that matters before God. And that's something that seminaries don't preach and teach. How many classes do we have on character? Zippo. We have all about theological training and, and how to preach the word and how to divide the word of God. But what about character? That's what we look at. So let's ask ourselves the right questions. Is the guy worthy of respect? Is he somebody that says what he says and he does what he says and means what he says? Is he an addict of things? Is he, is he addicted to things that he's turned to things that are not pleasing to God? Is he all about money? Well, if he is, he shouldn't be in there. These are the questions that we're asking ourselves. Can he understand the scriptures enough to hold on to the faith with a clear conscience? Does he live what he believes? Has he been tested at all? We're asking these questions as they serve. Are we, are we testing? Are we looking out at their character? Does he love his wife? Is he attentive to his wife? Does he hold on if God has blessed him with children and, and manage those children? Does he do those things? If so, come and join us. Be part of the leadership. And if not... God, get a hold of our hearts. Ask the Lord, what am I missing here? Help me to be what you want me to be. Because I don't want you just to say, all right, these are for the deacons. I can live any way I want. No, no. He's looking at these things in our lives too. All of our lives. So let's ask God to give us a heart that's willing to serve him. Let's pray. Father, we... Thank you so much for your word, Lord. And these are tough questions. Father, I, I just pray that we don't get caught up in just the weeds of this stuff and really understand the heart of the passage. You want character. And Father, I pray for each one here, Lord, that you would build each one here, that we would have a heart that wants to serve you and we don't want to get the glory for it. We just want a heart that says, Lord, here I am. Any way you want to use me, whatever the need may be, I am here. And Father, if that leads to having a position in the church, God, these are, we're all servants. But Father, I pray that you would help us as a church to be attentive to those people who are serving in that way, who do have the character to back up their service and say to them, why don't you come and join us in leadership? Lord, we thank you so much for the ones that we do have, but Lord, we can always use more. So Father, help us, God, in that area. And I thank you so much for this passage. And I pray...
not just for the women of the church, but for all of us, Lord, that we would be people of character. Like it says there, worthy of respect. Not using our tongues to slander other people and to hurt them and to use our perceptions to bring them down and to really rip them apart and divide. Help us to be emotionally stable, Lord, clear-headed, thinking straight. Father, help us with that. Help us to be faithful in all things. Even the little things that you give us, God, help us to do that with all our heart, soul, and mind for your honor and glory. Thank you for the wonderful people we have doing that, Father. They're not perfect, but they're servants in your hands. Continue to use us, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.